What's up everybody out there in Amplify land? Thank you for joining us for this week's session of Amplify Bible Study. We are going to be continuing to work through the book of Numbers and we're going to be on what I would like to call the sibling rivalry chapter of the book of Numbers and that is Numbers chapter 12 where we see Moses's siblings kind of stepping up to the plate and demanding to know why God has chosen Moses to lead the Israelite people instead of them. So let's go ahead and dive in to the session, shall we? Open, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Numbers chapter 12, which is what we're going to be covering today. Remember, I use the CSB version of the Bible. If you use a different translation, eh, the words might be a little off here and there, but the meaning will still be conveyed the same way. And we start here. We see Miriam and Aaron criticize Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. They said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. So what we see here is they actually start this complaint with a veiled kind of um, uh, trying something to throw off the people or throw off the Lord and throw off Moses. Because their complaint actually starts with the marriage of this other woman. It most likely is not his first wife because his first wife was a Midianite. And it says here, a Cushite woman. It was probably somebody he had brought out of Egypt with him. Maybe an Ethiopian slave is what many people believe that this person would have been. So they start, you know, they start criticizing because of this. And what they're actually criticizing is something that goes back into Exodus where it said, where the Lord says that they should people that the Israelites should not marry the Canaanites because they don't want them to be intermingled and be able to take in their um, false gods and things like that. And what Miriam and Aaron are doing here is extending that to all foreigners. The Lord never says, don't marry a foreigner. The, the Lord specifically says, don't marry a Canaanite. So they're trying to call into Moses's leadership and his qualifications, I guess you could say, of being a leader by bringing up his marriage to this Cushite woman. But the real issue, the real reason of their complaint is actually in verse number two. Does the Lord only speak through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. They resented Moses's leadership and wanted to share in it. In other words, one word here, one word is coming out here, and one word you're going to see again and again here, they were jealous. That's what it boils down to. They were jealous of Moses and jealous of the success he was having with the Israelites. And they were saying, why isn't God speaking to us as well like this? And this is not the first time that someone is going to question Moses' authority here with God. Now we see it start here in chapter 12 with his family, but then at the beginning of chapter 16, it will actually be the leaders of Israel that do it. And then by the end of chapter 16, you're going to see that it's the entire congregation of Israel that will question the leadership ability of Moses. But it starts here with his family. 
So we go to verse 3. Moses is a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Now, many theologians, many scholars, many biblical people that are much smarter than I am believe this is actually kind of a uh, an inserted footnote or an inserted side note to the story of Numbers, be believed to be put there by Ezra because many people feel Ezra is the one who actually wrote and transcribed this book. And he's saying, and to me, another translation has a better word here. Because I looked, and I looked at a bunch of different translations, and they all have kind of a different word here, but a lot of the translations, I believe the ESV and the New King James, both don't have humble here. They have meek. And I think that's the better word to use here, is meek, not humble. Because what we see is, right, Moses is a very meek man, more so than any man on the face of the earth. Meekness does not imply weakness. We know in the Beatitudes, we see, you know, Blessed are the meek. It's not implying meekness. I mean, it's not implying a weakness here. What it's implying is being obedient to doing God's will. That's what he's saying here. So when you see this humility, it's God first in everything. He, he, he takes himself and steps himself back, and it's God first instead. So when we see this, most likely it's some type of, you know, pinned in on the side notes insert. And they're letting them know that Moses is not the one that's driving this. Moses is not going to go before God and make an argument of, I should be the leader. It's actually the relatives, the brother and sister, that are the ones bringing it up and complaining. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three went out. Then the Lord descended on a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, and summoned Aaron, Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them came forward, I'm going to pause right there, because what you're about to read here, in 6 through 9, I think it is, what you're about to read is actually the Lord's voice. As he calls them out here, he is now going to speak to them. And he says, listen to what I say. Is there a prophet among you from the Lord? I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Powerful, powerful stuff there. Because what God is actually saying here is, you two got some nerve bringing this up to me. You two have some absolute nerve of bringing this up to me. Because all the other people that he speaks with, he does not speak and communicate with the way he does with Moses. And what we have to remember, what I took away from this, and what really struck me here with this is, we have to remember that God will place those people in authority in the church. And there is a reason they are there. There's a reason God has placed them there. There's a reason God has them doing what they're doing. Now, are we to have oversight and we ought to make sure they're doing God's work? Of course we are. But we should never be questioning why God has placed them there 
out of a position of pride and jealousy. And that's what we see Aaron and Miriam doing here. It's not that they're concerned that Moses isn't doing God's work. It's not that they're concerned that something ungodly is going on. It's a position of jealousy and pride saying, why isn't it us instead? And there are times we have to step back and not do this because we all do it. Oh, I should be the one doing this. I don't know why the pastor didn't ask me to do that. Why did they ask so-and-so to do that? That's what's going on here. And look what God's answer is. I am the one who selected him. I am the one who chose him. I speak to him differently than I speak to anybody else. And you need to respect that. So let's go on. Verse 9. The Lord's anger burned against them and he left. Once again, the message is completely and totally clear. God is the one who chooses and chose the prophets. And no other prophet in the Old Testament do we see get a face-to-face -face meeting with God like Moses does. None. No other one gets that. So look what he says. The Lord's anger burned against them when he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned towards her, he saw that she was diseased. It's leprosy is what it is. And we have to new, really concentrate on this verse here. Because this is the punishment portion for what they've done. Why wasn't Aaron punished? There's a key question in this. And there's a couple schools of thought, and I think they both kind of roll into one for a couple, couple things. Aaron was most likely not punished here, number one, because he wasn't the ringleader. Miriam was obviously the one that was the ringleader. And we know that because of the, the, the feminine verb that is used at the very beginning. It's not a masculine verb, it's a feminine verb as they start talking and very all the way back in verse 1. So Miriam was the ringleader, so that's one reason. And we also kind of know this because Aaron is, can, can, can be kind of a pushover. And we know this from the golden calf incident back in Exodus 32. That Aaron can, can be swayed very easily and just is more of a follower than he is a leader. So that's one school of thought and probably has some credence to it. But there's a more important issue of the reason Aaron is not punished the way Miriam is here. Many people believe Aaron's punishment is having to see his sister with leprosy like this. And we're gonna, I'm going to get to the second reason in just one moment here. Verse 11. So he, Aaron turns and sees she's diseased, and he says to Moses, My Lord, please don't hold against us this sin that we have foolishly committed. Please don't let her be like a dead baby whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's room. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. Look who is coming to her defense. The very person she was questioning and the very person she was trying tried to take authority away from, is the one that comes to her defense. There's a huge lesson in here for us. When people attack us, 
when people try to take power from us, try to take something from us, we don't hold it against them. We move ahead the way God wants us to and go to God in their behalf. That's what you see here. Moses cries out, God, don't, please, please heal her. Now, notice, give me one second, because I'm going to get to why Aaron wasn't punished in the next verse. The Lord said to Moses, if her father had merely spit in her face, wouldn't she remain a disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside of the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was brought back. After that, the people set out for Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So he's saying, I will heal her, but she has to go through the process that anyone else that is coming in from the outside has to go through, which is remain secluded, remain sequestered by herself for seven days. Here's why Aaron wasn't punished. Because Aaron's job was what? He was a high priest. He was a mediator between the congregation and God. And he couldn't be put outside the camp for seven days because there would have been no one there to fill that position because he was anointed and appointed to that position by God. So there's the real reason why you don't see Aaron punished here is because he couldn't be punished because of what his position was. However, Miriam could be. So she is kind of taking the punishment for both of them but she was probably more the ringleader anyway, and Aaron was just following along, going along with it. And she's put outside the camp for seven days, just like any other leprous person coming in with leprosy would have been. And then she rejoins, and the Israelites move on. So here's what I want you to think about out of this today. All right, This is what I want you to really think about, and this will be the discussion questions for today, which I'll put up on another graphic. And it's this, number one, when have you been jealous of somebody, not because of what their qualifications were, but because you felt you should have been put in the position instead? See, they try to do a thinly veiled attack on Moses' qualifications right at the beginning in verse one by bringing up the Cushite marriage. But what they're really saying is, I'm upset that I wasn't picked. So has that ever happened to you? And if it has, how did you react? And how did you get over it? And then the second thing I really want to concentrate on, because I don't like doing all negatives. What I want to know is, when has somebody done this to you? When has somebody put you in a position that has made you look less in the eyes of your superior, but you've actually defended them? Has that ever happened to you? And if it has, I want to know about it. Let's talk about it. Because that's a great lesson. That's the lesson I want to take from this more than anything. Yes, we shouldn't question our church leaders from a position of pride. We should question them from a position of doctrine. Are they teaching the Bible? Are they living a godly life? That's the area we should question them in. But it should never come from a position of pride or jealousy. So we really need to make sure we're not doing that. 
But more than anything, we also need to make sure if someone does attack us like that, that we still go to God on their behalf. So if any one of those two things happen to you, let's talk about it down in the comments. I'll have the graphic up here in a little bit. If you're just listening online, if you're just listening through whatever podcast medium you're listening to, because we're up on all the podcast mediums now, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also over on Anchor, if that's where, if that's where you're listening to, you can email us the answers. And we can get a discussion going that way. But I would encourage you to join the group as well. The email is amplifybible at gmail.com. The group, facebook.com slash group slash amplifybiblestudy. Invite your friends to it. Make sure everyone knows about it. Let's get this built up and let's get some thoughtful biblical discussion going. Next week, oh boy, next week. Next week is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We're going to cover one of my favorite things. So make sure chapters 13 and 14 is what we're going to be looking at next week. Until then, everybody, let's get talking. Have a great day.